Welcome to week number three of our series, 30 Day Marriage Makeover. And the main idea of today's message is that one of the biggest problems that husbands and wives face is a failure to see our differences. Part of getting a marriage makeover is learning to accept and then to value all of those differences. And I need to be really clear, having said that, that the root cause of all marital strife, just like any other kind of strife in a fallen world, the root cause is sin. But part of our sin in marriage is the prideful assumption that our spouses should see the world and react to the world just like we do. So we're going to talk today about how God made men and women very different and how that is a very good thing. We are not better, not worse, just different, just different. And I really think that if we can get a hold of this, it can make an incredible impact on our marriages and how we communicate with others, each other, how we do conflict with each other. And I really am willing to assert that a huge part of the communication problem so many of us have in marriage just comes right to this point of not understanding each other. You see, what usually happens when we see our differences is we think something is wrong with them, right? We think, I wish my husband, I wish my wife could be more normal like me. We just think our problems would be solved if they could just think and act like us. Before my my family moved to Tracy, we lived in a Chicago suburb for over 13 years. And by the way, I just thought I'd share this with you. Today was the day 14 years ago that I flew out here to start becoming your pastor. So I've been here 14 years. And uh, sometimes uh, we used to drive down I-55 through the state of Illinois, and we would go through a town in downstate Illinois called Normal. There's actually a town called Normal, (laughs) Illinois. A few miles away from the town of Normal, there's another Illinois town that is named Oblong. (laughs) And some time ago, this is a true story, a man and a woman from those two towns got married and a newspaper ran an uh, an article with this headline, Normal Man Marries Oblong Woman. (laughs) Now, the the truth is there may be some oblong women, but there are no normal men. And all the ladies said, and guys, let me give you a chance. There are definitely no normal women. Amen. Amen. See, God just made us all different. He did this in a thousand ways. I mean, think of all the differences. There are, you know, for instance, coffee people and tea people. There are morning people and night people. There are golf people and tennis people. There are quiet people and verbal diarrhea people. There are, there are dog people and there are weird cat people. I mean, and don't send me your emails. Don't send me your emails about that. But all these differences, they just cause us to say, I just don't get you. I don't get you. And these differences often surprise us in marriage, right? I want to ask this morning, what if we could see life from our spouse's perspective? What if we could learn from them? What if we gave each other the space to be who God created us to be? You see, if we read the Bible carefully, it should not surprise us that men and women are different. The Bible makes it very clear God planned it to be that way from the beginning. It's exactly what we see in God's word. Genesis 1:27 tells us this. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now notice God created us in, to be the same in a very important way, and that is in his image. We are the only creatures that God made with the capacity to know him, and all human beings are made in God's image. That means, among other things, that God created men and women with equal value. But do not overlook the words male and female. Even though we have the same value in God's eyes, God also created us to be very different. From the very beginning, he intentionally created us male and female. And I'm, I, I'm pointing this out because we live in a time where for the last uh, 50 years or so, we've had a movement in our society that has been determined to, to make everyone believe that men and women really are exactly the same except for the plumbing. Other than that. And it's just our culture that, that puts pressure on boys and girls to act differently. And if we took away this pressure, then little boys and little girls would grow up and act exactly the same. That's what an ideology says. But the truth is, scientific research says otherwise. There's some people that still haven't gotten the memo. Their ideology overwhelms what, what, they, what they want to accept. But the verdict really is in and everybody who's looked at it honestly has always known it. Men and women are different. Every cell in a man's body is different from every cell in a woman's body. Brain scans show that a man's brain is very different from a woman's brain and how it acts and, and how it reacts to stimulus, very different. In fact, I'm just quoting scientific research here. The female brain is a bit smaller than the male brain. I'm just sharing the facts. But guys, but guys, the tests also show, I got to share the facts, that, that women, uh, women rate 3% higher in general intelligence than men. But they can't read maps, so we still win where it counts. So, I, I saw this on the internet, so you know it's true. Um, it's about the differences between men and women. It says a man will pay $20 for a $10 item he wants. A woman will pay $10 for a $20 item she doesn't want. A woman knows all about her children. She knows about dentist appointments, best friends, favorite foods, secret fears, hopes, and dreams. A man is vaguely aware of some short people living in the house. A woman has the last word in any argument. Anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument. <laughs> the average man has four items in his bathroom, toothbrush, razor, bar of soap, and a towel from the Hampton Inn. The average, average number of items in a woman's bathroom is 437. <laughs> the average man is able to identify four of those items. If Emma, Suzanne, Beth, and Michelle go out for lunch, they'll call each other Emma, Suzanne, Beth, and Michelle. If Mike, Steve, Rob, and Jack go out for lunch, they'll affectionately refer to each other as Fat Boy, Godzilla, Peanut Head, and Useless. <laughs> women love cats. Men say they love cats, but when women aren't looking, men kick cats. <laughs> Guys, you want to know the difference between women and terrorists? Terrorists negotiate. <laughs> Ladies, you want to know the difference between men and government bonds? Government bonds mature. <laughs> now, 
we laugh at exaggerations like these because there is a little bit of truth in them, right? And it just reminds us that men and women are different. We're different physically, emotionally, mentally. Every other way, God planned it to be that way from the very moment that he imagined us. And God's original plan in creation was to use these differences to make us better together. And it still is planned today. But all too often, we end up not understanding our differences, and that ends up frustrating us. It causes conflict. And so my goal today is to help us see how we're different and to see how our differences can lead to conflict and then to help us see how we can choose instead to value and accept those differences, and hopefully that will lead to a marriage makeover for some of us. Now, to get a marriage makeover, we need to start at the beginning, and that is understanding some of the major differences in the way men and women tend to process life. I want you to listen to what the scriptures tell us. Genesis 2 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. We were created in different ways, and that leads to all kinds of differences. Let me just point out four ways that men and women are not better not worse, just different. First of all, women tend to be connectors while men tend to be compartmentalizers. Have you noticed this? There's a great book out, I recommended it last week, called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. And uh, with women, everything is connected, kind of like a plate of pasta where every noodle's touching every other noodle. But with men, life is a set of compartments like waffle squares. They're each separate. They're compartmentalized and This maybe goes back all the way to the creation of the first man and woman. Verse 7 in Genesis 2 says, God made man from the dust, from the earth, and men tend to be more earthy than women. On the other hand, God made woman from the soul of man. There was a soul connection, and we all have seen women tend to be connectors. Most women process life by connecting things all together. Every issue, every thought's connected to every other thought and every other issue in some way. And that is why most women are much better than men at multitasking. I mean, that's why she can talk on the phone and make a grocery list and plan a business meeting and calm an upset child and put on her makeup (laughs) while she's driving. (laughs) And you know it's true. I mean, it's not a good idea, but it's true. You know, in, in a conversation, a woman can put together relational, logical, and emotional issues of an, uh, of an issue all at once, and while she is connecting all those things together, the husband is frantically jumping from compartment to compartment, trying desperately just to keep up. He's thinking, where did that come from? We were talking about this. Now we're talking about that way over here. How does this come together? And she says, don't you see how it all connects? And he's like, uh, no. And that's because men are compartmentalizers. We tend to process life in compartments that are separate. They have their own thoughts and activities. In a a man's thinking, each compartment tends to have room for one issue and just one issue only. So the first issue of life goes in the first compartment, the second issue in the second compartment, the third in the third, and and so on. We, We divide life into these compartments, and most men can only live in one compartment at a time. So when a man's at work, he's focused on work. When he's out in the garage tinkering, he's just out in the garage tinkering. When he's watching TV, he's watching TV for crying out loud. (laughs) That's why he looks like he's in a trance. And 
He ignores everything around him. He's just in the TV compartment at that moment. And, and I just need to share this, women. You need to understand there's actually compartments in a man's mind that contain no words. It's true. Now, there are thoughts in these compartments, but there really, there just aren't any words. And men are happy to go camp out in those compartments sometimes. And to make matters even more difficult, some of those wordless compartments don't even contain thoughts. It's true. There are actually empty, blank boxes in a man's mind. And in order to relieve stress, men tend to like to go to those places to relax. And men, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have some blank boxes. I like to go there sometimes, kind of relaxing. But guys, have you ever noticed whenever you go there, you're parked in a blank box, your wife knows. It seems like she always sees and she knows. And and I don't know if it's the blank expression on your face, but she always thinks this would be a perfect time to talk. And that's when wives ask the most terrifying question a man can be asked. What are you thinking about, sweetheart? (laughs) See, ladies, you need to understand that when your husband is parked in one of those blank spaces and you ask that question, he panics because he's thinking, if I tell her the truth, she's going to think I'm lying because she cannot imagine a moment without words in her mind. And... uh, He will say, well, nothing, and she will think, he's lying. He has to be thinking about something. How could he be thinking about nothing? There must be something he's hiding from me that he won't tell me about. And so, guys, in order not to disappoint their wives, you know, a man, you'll see this. I mean, his eyes start darting back and forth, and what he's doing is he's looking for a nearby compartment, a box that has words in it, (laughs) so he can move over there. And the longer it takes him to find one of those boxes, the more suspicious his wife gets. (laughs) Here's the deal, ladies. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but when you ask your husband, what are you thinking, and he says nothing, it's sad but true. It's nothing. It's nothing. (laughs) There is nothing going on in there at all, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, here's a second area where men and women are different. Uh, Men are hunters. And women are hinters. Now, Friday is my day off, and almost every Friday morning, Dana will ask me, what are you doing today? And, you know, for a long time in our marriage, I thought that she actually was interested in knowing (laughs) what I was doing on that day. So I'd tell her, and after a few years, I, I realized she was hinting because she didn't really care what I was going to do. She just was wanting to let me know there were several things that she had for me to do on my day off. See, guys, all of us, we just think it would be so much easier in life if women would just tell us what they want. See, guys, I I just laid that one out there for you. You know, most of you whiffed, okay? One guy out here got it, but you know that. See, men are just kind of wired to be hunters, right? You know, we we, want to get the task, give us the space, give us some time, we'll get it done, and we'll hunt and catch, and we'll bring back whatever it is, and then we'll report to you sometimes. It's just the way we are, but But female logic is different. You know, female logic, they want the men, their husbands to take initiative and be proactive. A woman will say, if he really loves me, if we were really connected, then he would intuitively know what I want. He would understand my needs. Let me tell you two things about this. This first is for husbands. First, all husbands should strive to grow in their ability to intuitively understand their wives' needs. 
But second, wives need to understand that husbands, that men have a hard time with hints. So therefore, you need to grow in your ability to practice actually saying what you want. Both of those things are true. And in counseling, it's, it's amazing to me how often I hear wives say to husbands things like this. I shouldn't have to tell you. You should know this by now. <laughs> That's probably been spoken in many households across this room this week, I'm sure. Now, ladies, I, just, I, I have to tell you, okay? I, I just have to tell you, we, we, cannot, we, we cannot read your minds, okay? You're thinking right now, guys, just cannot be that dumb. <laughs> but I need to assure you, we are. <laughs> like, we don't get it. We just, you need to spell it out for us. You need to speak slowly. You need to write it down. We just have a hard time with hints. Third area that we're different, women are sensors and men are solvers. Men are just kind of wired to solve problems, analyze the situation, weigh the pros and cons, formulate a plan, Implement, implement the plan. Men tend to communicate in black and white. But women are different. Women do think of facts, but they also incorporate into consideration emotions and thoughts and feelings and intuition. And if men think in black and white, well, women are always thinking in intense colors. We're so very different in how we process things. I want you to watch this video. I think it explains a lot. It's just... There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. <laughs> you do have a nail in your head it is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. See, you're not even listening now. <laughs> okay, fine, I will listen, fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, if you would just- Don't! <laughs> Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on- Oh, yeah. Does that explain just about everything? Um, let me give you the fourth area, and as I give you this one to you, just understand all these things are generalizations. I, I know that we're not all the same, and so there's going to be some variations, but in, in general terms, you'll find these things to be true, and this fourth area is that men are tight-lipped and women are talkers. Now, again, some differences in us uh, as men and women, but sometimes it doesn't always hold true. On average, though, scientists say the average man speaks around 20,000 words a day, and the average woman um, up to 30,000 words a day. And here's where the problem comes in for most guys. On most days, most guys spend most of their words at work. 
And when they come home, they ask their wives, how is your day? They then discover she has saved most of her 30,000 words <laughs> for them. And she begins to tell him everything that's been going on. And the guy starts feeling like he's in an ocean, you know, surrounded by high waves. And he's in a leaky raft. And he's about to drown in this tidal wave of words. And Men are so different. Men tend to internalize their communication. We like to think and solve and hunt in silence. And when we finish the hunt or we solve the problem, we, we, we may tell you what, what happened, but not always. And by contrast, uh, women tend to have a greater need to verbalize. And most women want to verbalize their thoughts. They, they want to hear their thoughts spoken. They want us to hear what they're, they're thinking. And again, this is not better not worse, it's just different. And when you put all these things, and we can just keep going, and all other things that we're different in together, isn't it a wonder that we have conflict? Isn't it a wonder that we have a hard time communicating? But there's something I want to move to that's even deeper and more profound that really is at the bottom, I believe, of all of these things. It's our greatest difference. You know, I, I read to you what it's uh, what we, we're told in the book of Genesis, and this truth is also accentuated by Jesus himself in the New Testament. Jesus recognized how God created us. He asked this question, Matthew 19, 4, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? So Jesus affirms that we're different and that God made us this way. Now, there is a fascinating book. Again, it was one of the ones I recommended last week called Love and Respect. It's written by a man named Dr. Emerson Egerichs, and I am very dependent on his insights for the rest of this message. And in this book, he talks about our differences in this way. He uses a picture. He says that God has designed women to see the world through pink sunglasses, which color what she sees, to wear pink hearing aids, which affects what she hears, and then to speak through a, a pink megaphone. And the man, he says, by contrast, he sees through blue sunglasses, hears through blue hearing aids, and he speaks through a, a blue megaphone. And it just colors everything, affects everything we see and say and think. And so, for example, if a, a woman is with 10 women and she says through her pink megaphone into their pink hearing aids, I have nothing to wear. They will all say, oh, honey, we don't either. Let's go shopping. <laughs> because women all know what that means. Pink speaks to pink, and pink hears and understands. On contrast, if a guy's with 10 men, and he speaks through his blue megaphone into their blue hearing aids, and he says, I have nothing to wear, all the guys will say, but she's not doing your laundry either. <laughs> because for a guy, nothing to wear just means nothing is clean. Again, God created us differently. These things affect what we see and hear and say. And in fact, this goes all the way down, all the way down to the difference in our greatest need. I would suggest to you that we see pink and blue in the New Testament. And if you don't like the color analogy, you just pick your own. We're just different. The clearest example, I think, of this is Ephesians 5.33. And this is actually the summary statement of the greatest treatise on marriage in the New Testament. If you want to know how God designed marriage to work, you need to read and you need to study, you need to digest and apply Ephesians 5, 22 33. But verse 33 is so important. It's like the concluding statement. It's like God's final word about marriage to Christ's followers. Here's what it says. However, 
each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, the word love that is used here is agape. It's God's kind of love. It's unconditional love. The word respect literally means to fear, but it doesn't suggest any kind of a slavish, cowering fear. This word is actually in a Greek tense, which indicates that the wife freely chooses to respect. The husband isn't to demand respect. This respect is respect for the leadership role that God has given the husband. One scholar writes that this respect is not conditional in the husband's merit or the husband's performance. In other words, this respect is unconditional. Now, I think we get this about love intuitively. We don't even need to have that explained. But we don't see it about respect typically. And I believe that this verse is revealing something that's very profound. Why would God command a husband to love his wife with agape love? I think the answer is because that is her greatest need. She needs love. Why would God command a wife to respect her husband? And could it be that respect is his greatest need? I believe we find our greatest difference at the point of our greatest need. And let me just kind of explain it to you this way. You can write this down. A wife's greatest need is to feel unconditional love. And to use the the analogy, it's like she has a pink hose connected to a pink love tank. She needs to breathe in love like she breathes in air. It's how God designed her spirit to be love for who she is apart from her performance. And kind of sometimes, you know, like a big old elephant, the man just comes in, he's just looking for a place to eat his peanuts, and he stands on her air hose. (laughs) And he's just there eating, he's not trying to do anything. And all of a sudden, she picks up a baseball bat and she whacks him upside the head, and next thing he knows, he's bleeding, his head hurts. She's yelling at him, get off my air hose, you beast. Because she's not just going to suffocate and die. She won't flatline it on the emotional heart monitor. She reacts and she expects him to decode why she reacts negatively. But for some reason, he doesn't. Apparently, a husband's greatest need is to feel unconditional respect. Again, it's like he has a blue air hose connected to a blue air tank. And when his wife stands on his air hose, she doesn't mean to. He doesn't say, okay, I'll just suffocate and die. He gets angry. You see, no husband has fond feelings of love in his heart toward a woman he thinks despises him. He will not move toward her. He will not connect with her. He will distance himself. Why? Well, there's something God has placed in his nature that doesn't respond with love to someone he thinks doesn't respect him. He won't respond any more than a woman responds sexually to a man who is harsh and angry with her. She may perform, she may go through the motions, but her spirit is not there. God has not designed women to respond sexually to harsh, angry, unloving husbands. It doesn't work. God did not make a husband's nature to respond in the same way to someone who has contempt for who he is as a man. And in the same way as the woman, he can perform. I mean, we're all 21st century males. We've all been trained to be sensitive. And and so he might work at that, but his heart is a million miles away. Women need love. Men need respect. 
See, the problem is we just keep on stepping on each other's air hoses and we don't know how to respond. Let me illustrate it this way. Suppose it's January and the wife gets on the scale and she looks and she sees that she's put on 10 pounds. Now, she goes to her husband with this news and she just wants to ventilate. And she says to him, I put on 10 pounds from all those Christmas goodies and all those holiday parties and I just feel fat. I feel ugly. I feel bloated. I have nothing to wear. (laughs) And he's a sensitive 21st century guy, so he listens. And the next day, he hears about this new book that's come out. Everybody's buying it. It's called Dieting for the Christian Woman. And he thinks, well, she said she wanted to lose weight. And so he buys it. And guys, listen to the noise across the room. (laughs) Every man has made this mistake at least once. He goes home and he gives it to her and she goes ballistic. It's like she lifts off and she's elevating into the air and, and as she's lifting off, she is waving her finger down at him and she's saying, you men have two brains. One is lost and the other is out looking for it. And she calls him an idiot. Why? Well, her pink hearing aids blare, her Her pink sunglasses fog over. Every woman in the room hearing that knows it's a bad thing to say. They all know what it sounds like to them, and it sounds like this. I don't love you. I don't accept you, unless you look like a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. That's what she hears. See, women can't believe anybody would ever do anything like that. Now, again, I want to I say not better, not worse, just different. What if we turn it around? What if she buys a diet book for him? Brings it home. He looks at it and says, hey, thanks. What's for dinner? <laughs> See, like the man can be 40 pounds overweight, but when he looks in the mirror, he still sees Arnold in there. And he can bring him out anytime he wants. Right? See, when it comes to body image, there's just this huge difference between men and women. And research, research shows us that a woman can be absolutely gorgeous by all of our society's standards, but she will still look at herself, and none of us can believe it, but she still sees flaws. So why does she hear, I don't love you, But he doesn't. Well, pink and blue. God made us different. Let's take this scenario and turn it around. Several weeks after the aforementioned scenario, she hears about a book. Just come out. Everybody's buying it. It's called The Key to Marital Bliss, Communication. And she reads a few pages on the Amazon preview, and she says, this is so good. We have to have it. She buys the book and waits for it to get there. It is the third marriage book she has bought this year for them to read. And she gets it, and she opens it. She devours it cover to cover. And she thinks as she's reading through this, you know, he really needs to read this, but he's so busy. He doesn't have time to to read it all. So I'm going to highlight in pink the important sections for him. (laughs) And then she leaves it next to the recliner, where he watches ESPN. And he sees the book, but he doesn't pick it up. 
He doesn't read it. He stonewalls. Why? Because his blue hearing aids are blaring. His blue sunglasses are fogging over. He grabs on the the arms of the recliner and white knuckles it because he's thinking, man, that's the third book she got for us to read this year. And the first two, we got into huge fights. If I say something, I'm in trouble. If I don't say something, I'm in trouble. But if I don't say anything, I'm in less trouble. And he just shuts down. Why? Well, through his blue hearing aids, and every man gets this. I know it doesn't make sense to the women, but the man hears a message that he thinks she's sending through the book, and he thinks she's saying, I don't accept you. I don't approve of you. I don't respect you, dude, until you change. Now, here's what I want to ask you to think about. Did it ever occur to you that as men and women, we have vulnerabilities in the very areas that our spouses have strengths? Your wife is probably vulnerable in the area of body image. You don't have a vulnerability there. Women, did it ever occur to you that you are strong in this area of emotional intimacy and your husband feels very weak and vulnerable? See, he doesn't process these kind of discussions through a grid that says, this marriage book is going to increase love. He thinks, I'm going to lose even the respect I do have. This book will result in her telling me she loves me, but she doesn't respect me for who I am because I don't communicate like she does. And you need to understand that is comparable to a man saying to his wife, woman, let me be clear. I respect you more than any person alive especially after your old man left us the $10 million inheritance. But I have never loved you. I don't love you now, and I never will. See, every woman knows that love and respect are not synonymous. Every woman would say, if my husband said that to me, I'd be devastated. I would never get over it. Almost all women want to love. You have to wound a woman to stop her from loving. And most women naturally just with ease, love their husbands. And for them to hear from their husbands, I respect you, but I've never loved you, devastating. So what do you think a husband feels when he hears, I love you, but I don't really respect you. I'm not sure I ever will. Well, he's devastated by that as well. Now, some of you right now are saying, well, don't women need respect and don't men need love? Yes, of course, it's, but it's a continuum. We have different needs in these areas. Sometimes people will say, well, hey, hey, what about that song? Everybody knows that song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That was sung by Aretha Franklin. Women want respect too. That's true. But do you know who actually wrote and who originally performed that song? Otis Redding was the author, the composer of that song. He originally wrote it to his wife. And then sometime later, uh, Aretha came along. She sang it. It turned into the iconic song. But I want to make sure you don't miss the irony that a man actually wrote it. And I want to ask this. If women really wanted respect from their husband, why can you not, I challenge you, why can you not go out there and find one greeting card from a husband to a wife that says, baby, I really respect you? (laughs) Quick survey here. How How many wives would say that card would be a very bad idea for a husband to bring me on Valentine's Day? I respect you. But you know what's even more sad than that? There is not one card out there from a wife to a husband that says, baby, I really respect you. See, if you show disrespect to a woman week after week, she will say, 
you know what? You don't even love me. You keep being, treating me disrespectfully week after week. How can you say that you love me? You, you show disrespect to a man week after week, and he'll go, you know what? You have never respected me. Everyone respects me but you. I don't deserve this disrespect. You see what happens? The woman lands on love. The man lands on respect. Why? And again, go back to what the Bible commands us. As I mentioned, only husbands are commanded to agape love their wives. The Greek language has three words for love, agape and phileo and eros, three components of love in marriage. Agape is this word for God's unconditional love. Phileo is friendship love. Eros is sexual love. All three are present in marriage, but only husbands are commanded to agape love. Why is that? Well, maybe the answer is that God designed women to love. It's their nature to nurture. You have to wound a woman to get her to stop loving, and maybe God isn't going to command her to do what he created her to do. 400 American men were surveyed a few years ago, and they were asked, when you're in conflict with your wife, do you feel she doesn't respect you or doesn't love you? Listen to this. 81.5% of the men said, I don't think she respects me. That's what a man perceives in conflict. Few men feel unloved during conflict. Why? Well, it's because the wife is probably still expressing love in some way. It's her nature it's her nature to love. It's her nature to love. And so he doesn't lack that. They asked these men another question. Would you rather be left alone and unloved in the world or would you rather be viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Listen to this. 74% of the men said they would prefer to be left alone and unloved. Cannot handle the idea of being disrespected. You know, if you read the Bible carefully, you see clues of this all through its pages. Uh, in Genesis 29, Leah cries out, surely my husband will love me now. In Judges 14, Samson's wife cries out, you hate me, you don't really love me. But in 2 Samuel 6, when David's wife, Michael, sees him dancing before the Lord, she despises him in her heart, and then she speaks very disrespectfully about him and when they have an encounter later, David's words are all about honor and respect. And in Esther chapter one, when Queen Vashti refused the king's command, the concern of all the king's advisors was that if she wasn't punished, all the women in the kingdom would despise and disrespect their husbands. Go to the prophetic books. In the book of Hosea, when God is calling him to win back his adulterous wife, Gomer, he told her to win her with love. Go to the book of Proverbs, and all through its pages, you will see different Proverbs that talk about uh, kind of the mechanism that happens in, in adulterous uh, conduct, and it talks about how adulterous wife will seduce a man with flattery. Have you ever stopped to think what flattery is? Well, flattery is using words, even false words, to show respect and honor. It's really everywhere. If we look, a man's greatest need is respect. A woman's greatest need is love. And when those needs don't get met, well, that's our next section. When they don't get met, what happens is the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle. Let me ask you a question. Imagine I had a light switch up here, and I flipped it on and off a couple of different times, and nothing happened. You probably wouldn't think much about that. What if I stood up here for an hour flipping a switch on and off, on and off, nothing happening, and I just kept doing it for a whole hour? At some point... Somebody's going to say, um, the guy up there, I think, I think he's crazy, right? 
How many of us in our marriages are flipping light switches on and off, on and off, on and off, nothing's changing, and we just keep doing it? See, here's one of the things I know. I probably know this about some of you because you've told me that it's going on in your house. I I also recognize there are many of you here, and I have known nothing about it, but the truth is right now in your home, you are locked in some kind of an ongoing conflict. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with this, what we've been talking about. You have failed to understand each other's greatest needs. You are standing on each other's air hoses, and you won't get off, and it's crazy. You just keep flipping the switch. Let me tell you how this crazy cycle works. Uh, This is uh, Dr. Egerich's idea in his book, and he, he describes it like this. He says, without love, a wife reacts without respect. And when the husband Uh, doesn't get respect without respect. He reacts without love. And it's just this dynamic. It is hard for a man to truly love his wife when she's disrespectful to him. Maybe that's why she's commanded to respect him. And it's really hard for a woman to respect her husband when she feels unloved. Maybe that's why he's commanded to love her. See, typically when a woman feels unloved, she reacts negatively and typically in ways that feel hugely disrespectful to the husband. Maybe she calls him an idiot. And he no longer in that hears the cry of her heart. What she's really telling him is she wants to be loved. He thinks she's saying, I don't respect you as a man. And so without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts in ways that feel hugely unloving to her. And he basically says, well, I'm gonna talk to you even less. I'm going to stay silent. I'm going to stonewall you. And all those things scream to a woman, I don't love you. And he may be unloving, but that's really not his intent any more than she's trying intentionally to be disrespectful to him. But it just becomes this crazy cycle. Without love, the wife reacts without respect. Without respect, the husband reacts without love. And that leads to more disrespect from the wife. It leads to less love. Uh, from the husband, and it starts spinning. And pretty soon, it is crazy. You see, when she isn't loved, she gets defensive, and her reaction is offensive to him. She communicates in different ways. I despise who you are. She says to him, you don't get it. She says things like, none of you men ever get it. You're all morons. And the longing of her soul, really, is to connect with the man who matters more to her than anyone else in her life. But he can't hear that. And she wonders why she can't get through, why he can't hear what she's trying to say. And, you know, about right now, I think some of you men are going, you know what, yeah. (laughs) This is the first time I've ever heard anything like this. This is the first time I've ever heard that that women should respect men. That's right, my wife is disrespectful. But here's what I want to tell you at this point. What she's trying to do is get your attention. It's like she's waving a flag. The problem is, the way she's doing that in a man's world is equivalent to a bat upside the head. Men would never speak to each other in that way. She knows she's provoking you, but she doesn't see how it impacts you. Her intent is not to be disrespectful. And what you need to say, see here, men, is you need to trust her here. Ladies, same thing. When you come across as disrespectful, he will react third marriage book. He shuts down, which screams to you, I don't love you. And every wife will conclude in that moment, he doesn't care because if you really cared, if it really mattered to you, you would read the book. 
And yet, Jesus says, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friends. And if a burglar breaks into your house tonight, your husband will not scream, Sally, get the bad man. He'll probably be dead before he knows it. And so according to Jesus, your husband's self-sacrifice would be the definition of love. But because he doesn't respond like you, you conclude that he's unloving. And the answer is no, he's just not a woman. Do you see what's going on here in a deeper sense? The man is not thinking about being unloving. He's thinking, whatever happened to the glow? Whatever happened to how you used to respect me and believe in me? Now you look at me with this sour, dark look. You say terrible things to me that say, I don't respect you. Here's what both sides need to hear. Both of you need to hear. Your spouse is not evil-willed. You did not marry the spawn of Satan. Now, they irritate you, and they step on your air hose, but most of the time, they're not intentionally trying to hurt you. Paul says something very interesting, 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34, and he just states it as a fact, like it's a reality. He says, the husband is concerned about how to please his wife, and the wife about how to please her husband. Now, Paul, who wrote the greatest treatise on the depravity of the human heart in the book of Romans. He knows about the sinfulness of man. But he says, even though husbands may not always show their concern the way that they should at the end of the day, very few husbands get up in the morning and think, you know, how can I show my wife today that I don't care for her and I don't love her? And very few wives do the reverse. Paul is saying to us, you had better come to a point where you realize the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You had better not show contempt for the spirit of your spouse. And when you say, I despise you, I don't love you, or I don't respect you, you are potentially not only stepping on the air hose, but severing it. We need to see our spouses as a good-willed person. I mean, think about it. When you got married, nobody here got together and said, I hate you, you hate me, let's get married. (laughs) See, a major mistake couples make is this. Don't think you can be unloving to get respect or be disrespectful to get love. And if this is how you think, if this is how you operate, I just beg you to stop thinking and acting this way. I mean, it hasn't worked so far, has it? It's crazy, so don't do it. You know, we, we say in our culture, we're, we're a culture that's consumed with the importance of love. We say that love is all you need, and I hope you see today that love really isn't all you need. Uh, I would really encourage, especially all of you, especially the wives, to write this down and to think about it. Unconditional respect for a man is equal to unconditional love for a woman. And I know for some of you that doesn't make sense. It may be a brand new thought, but will you begin to reflect on it? If as a woman you think that this is wrong, can you write me an email and tell me why you think it is? Let me know why you're struggling with this. If you're not sure it works or is true, let me encourage you to put it to the test by trying this next one. Write this down. Respecting her husband is the single most powerful thing a wife can do to strengthen her marriage. Now, I want to encourage every wife who is here to do an experiment this week, and it's a very powerful thing, even if your husband is hearing this, sitting next to you right now, and he knows what you're doing, okay? The experiment is this. Begin to communicate 
messages of respect to him through your actions and through your words and see what happens. And I think you'll be amazed. Better yet, ask him how important respect is to him. He may have a hard time articulating that because he's a guy and he doesn't always know how to say what he feels. But listen to what he tells you. I'm just telling you, the potential to make your marriage over is right here, right in front of you. Let me tell you real briefly how to get off the crazy cycle. If you are locked in a conflict, I mean, the truth is something has to change, right? And if you can begin by realizing we live in pink and blue worlds and you can see that love and respect are both equally important in marriage, you are taking a step in the right direction. See, some of you, you've been in a conflict, right? I mean, how many of you recognize this? You're having a conflict, it's over this issue here, but you both know it's really about something else. Anybody ever been there? You're fighting over this, but you know it's about something else. If that's ever been the issue for you, maybe you're stepping on each other's air hose. Maybe your spouse is filtering what's happening through a love and respect grid. See, sometimes what you're fighting about, it may be important, but it's not the root issue. I'm suggesting to you that love and respect is at the root of every deep conflict, and we need to be aware of that. So very briefly, four choices each of us can make and they can make over our marriage. Here's the first one. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. When you feel unloved or disrespected, start with the assumption that your spouse is basically good-willed. Assume that your spouse is not trying to hurt you, but they're looking at the world through different colored sunglasses. Just begin here. Just begin by remembering they are a fallen human being, and so are you. Let me just tell you something. Some of you here operate on the basis of your feelings. Your feelings always trump whatever facts are out there. In conflict, you will say, I don't care what the facts are. I know how I feel. I was offended, therefore my spouse offended me. Let me ask you a question. Are your feelings infallible? And if you don't know how to answer the question, let me give you the answer to that question. No, none of us have infallible feelings. Secondly, ask forgiveness where you've been unloving or disrespectful. This will help you get off the crazy cycle. Chances are pretty good. Every single person here has something we need to confess. As the Holy Spirit points out where you've sinned against your spouse, be courageous enough to ask for forgiveness. Do it in a spirit of humility. And in a spirit of humility, grant forgiveness. Number three, stop placing blame. Please. Blaming your spouse won't help anything. I mean, how wise is it? Think about it. For a wife to scream, you know the reason I am so disrespectful is you are just an unloving jerk. How does that help? How wise is it for a husband to yell, you know what? The reason I am so unloving is that you are a disrespectful witch. Here's a new broom. How is that going to help? Blame just makes the crazy cycle spin faster. And furthermore, please listen to this. Do you really think that by blaming your spouse, you can justify disobeying God's command to you to love or respect? You see, we can choose. We can choose to let sin tear apart our marriages or we can choose to use our marriages to tear apart our sin. And then fourth, be willing to make the first move. 
Some of you are locked in a stalemate right now. You are waiting for the other to do the right thing. And Dr. Eggerich has a wonderful principle here. Here it is. He says, the one who sees themselves as the most mature moves first. How do you like that one? So here's the deal. Every wife knows that if a husband is positive and loving to her in tone and facial expression, it just touches her heart. So therefore, as a wife, will you trust that as you move first and you meet your husband's need to feel respected, that he will respond more lovingly? Every husband knows that if a wife is positive and respectful in tone and facial expression, it touches his heart. So therefore, as a husband, will you trust that as you move first and you meet your wife's need to feel love, that she will respond more respectfully? I mean, if you want to sum this up, how about, how about we all just apply the golden rule to our marriages? Jesus gave us this. It's Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And I'm just telling you, if you'll get everything else I've told you up to this point, if you just start doing what Jesus says here, you will be amazed at what starts to happen in your homes. You see, friends, we all have choices that we can make, choices that can make over our marriages, choices that can even have generational consequences. So husbands, will you love your wives unconditionally? Wives, will you respect your husbands unconditionally? This is the command of the Lord given to his people. Will we hear it? Will we obey it? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, uh, we come before you and we are recognizing, we are aware that there are homes here in this room that are marked by constant fighting. Lord, homes where kids are suffering Lord, homes maybe that are marked by silence and distance, maybe homes on the verge of divorce. And Lord, we, we ask for these things to stop. We ask that you would so work in our hearts that we begin to serve one another and meet the greatest needs that we have. Lord, we confess that you are so wise. We confess that your thoughts and ways are as far above ours as the heavens are above the earth. And so even if we don't understand, even if parts of your word may not feel right to us in some ways, we humble ourselves before you and we just ask you to open our eyes. Lord, would you help us to see how you are at work in our spouse's life? Would you forgive us for where we've despised the way you've created our spouse to be? God, will you help us all to see our own sin and put our first focus on repenting from the wrong ways we think and act and speak. Lord, most of all, we we just ask together as your people that great, great grace would be poured out across every marriage, every home that's here as we listen to and obey your command. Husbands must love their wives, and wives must respect their husbands. We pray these things now, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ. And all God's people together say,